How's it going? The faithful few, welcome. You were the ones who decided that it was cool to get up at 8 o'clock in the morning on July 5th. Good job. Um, Or some of you, 9 o'clock in the morning. No offense, I can't tell. You're good. Um, um, So uh, I'm Danny. Some of you guys know who I am. Some of you guys don't. That's cool. Hopefully uh, you get a little picture of what I'm about after today. Um, My goal today is definitely and 100% that you would simply hear truth and that you would apply it. Um, So if you hear nothing else out of me today, learn that. Uh, I had a pastor teach me one time when I was first becoming a believer, and he asked me, like, what is the mark of somebody who truly believes in Jesus? Um, And my response was like, oh, I don't know, somebody who, like, gets baptized or somebody who, uh, you know, takes communion or something like that. And he looks at me and he says, Actually, the mark of a true believer in Jesus is somebody who hears truth and applies it. Um, And so for those of us who are believers in Christ, those of us who see him as the greatest thing in all of existence, whether you walked in here today realizing that or not, if you have been awoken to truth, you have your purpose and you have your life. And so as you hear it, go and do it. And I'm going to pray for us in that, that we would have authority and power to do that. Um, Thank you so much, Lord. Um, that as we gather, this is not an um, expression of how cool it is to sing songs that we like or how great it is to be able to talk about uh, the Bible or how much we need a crutch because the rest of the world sees us as weak because we have to believe or trust someone for something. Um, but Lord, I pray that you would uh, show us why all power has been given to you today. Reveal that to us. Um, We trust that as your royal priesthood, your church, that you have given us the authority to talk about your truth and that your truth would permeate places in our hearts that we didn't even know were believing lies. So Lord, will you speak? Um, (laughs) I feel so incapable of doing it right now, Lord, but I trust that you have some good stuff in store for us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, this particular section of scripture we're going to look at today is literally the hinge of everything in the book of Matthew. So everything in the first 15 and a half chapters builds up to this point, And then everything from here on out, you'll start to kind of get a clearer picture of who Jesus really is. Um, now, I want to tell you that there are probably anywhere between eight to 10 legit 30-minute sermons inside of this section of scripture. I will not do that to you, (laughs) okay? I will seek as best as possible, but here's the thing. This might feel like a jigsaw puzzle with a bunch of pieces that don't make a ton of sense, but I trust that God will reveal to us the truth just like he does to Peter here in this passage. Amen? Cool. So, The idea is that Jesus comes to this place, Caesarea Philippi, and he's got all of his disciples, his closest followers. Uh, He had just interacted with the Pharisees in a really kind of a bummer way. The Pharisees are asking him questions, demanding signs. And in, in an earlier part of Matthew, the Pharisees say that they believe that Jesus is doing things by the power of Satan. Ouch, right? So the Pharisees and the religious leaders, these people, these Jewish people who were leading the nation of Israel at the time, I mean, they do not have a high opinion of Jesus. 
But Jesus isn't asking his disciples about what the religious leaders think. Jesus is asking his disciples, what do the everyday people think? What do the common people think? What do the crowds think of me? I know how the religious leaders see me. I get that. But what do the people who are the real people, and what do they think about me? And his disciples answer him, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, for us, that's like saying, some say you're this powerful dude. Some say you're this powerful dude. That's great. But what this is really intending to say is the people recognize power, right? They see it. They see that Jesus is different. They see that Jesus speaks on behalf of God. But what they don't see is this really the Messiah? Now, when I say that in here, most of us go, oh, Messiah, right? That's like a church word. But I want to explain to you a little bit about what Messiah really means and why it is that when Peter says you are the Christ, which also means Messiah or anointed one, why that's so huge and why Jesus says he's going to build his church on that idea. So as this develops, follow that bead of thinking. Okay? Right now, you may be thinking to yourself, oh, that's kind of underwhelming. Some of the ideas in here are a little bit fuzzy. Great. Let's clear those up. Sound good? When the normal people answer to Jesus, and, and he's coming into Jerusalem, so Jesus in Matthew 21 comes into Jerusalem, and we see what the crowds think of him and that the disciples were right. The crowds say he is a prophet of God. He is a prophet of God. But the Messiah, according to the Jews, the Messiah would be prophet, priest, and king. So, and they were looking for somebody, just to give you a perspective, who was kingly, a political leader, somebody who would geographically set the boundaries of the nation of Israel and make this nation that they all lived in relevant in the world. And somebody, they were looking for somebody who would kick out the oppressive governments that were, that were leading the Jews at the time. So to the Jews, this is extremely practical, not just spiritual, Okay? For them, the Messiah wasn't a spiritual reality as much as it was an all-encompassing reality. So when Jesus comes as a prophet of someone who speaks on behalf of God, they're like, oh, this is great. I like his teaching. He's got a lot of authority. That's awesome. Wonderful, Jesus. Good job. Thanks. But many of them don't see the power in Jesus. They don't see the king that exists in Jesus. They see somebody who talks about God well. They see somebody who does miracles. But their concept of Messiah as prophet, priest, and king means that they don't look at Jesus and think to themselves immediately, this is the promised Messiah, the one who will save us from our present earthly troubles and also will lead us back to God. They don't think that. They can't fathom it in their brains because they grow up thinking that the Messiah will be a political leader. Now, I want you to know that as we transition this, I want you to hear this part. This is great, okay? It's almost like this. I'm not saying that they ever thought this because that would be insane, but it's almost like the Jews believed, right, that the Messiah would come out of the womb with a sword and the Torah, and he would be fighting people at like a day old. Their view of Messiah was like, Messiah is like, oh my gosh, he's going to come to the earth. You're all going to know it because at three years old, he's going to conquer Rome. Thank you for laughing at that because that's nuts, all right? Like, 
That is crazy. Everybody knows three-year-olds can barely walk, let alone wield a sword, right? Now think about this. If Jesus really is the Messiah, if Jesus really is who Jesus says he is, which is Jesus is not the Messiah that they could think of, which was just simply a political leader. Jesus is the king of the universe. Oops. The Jews were looking for somebody who would establish an earthly kingdom, simple, geographic, throw off the oppression of the Romans. But they weren't looking for something so much bigger than that. Now, when Peter answers this question, or sorry, when when Jesus asks this question of Peter and the disciples, so it's not just Peter, but he asks them, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And as a representative of the disciples, Peter speaks up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, based on the information I just gave you, this is what this would have been like for Peter. Take a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle in your own head. You don't know what it looks like on the outside of the box, okay? I know y'all cheat. I know y'all cheat when you're doing jigsaw puzzles and you look at the box and you try to piece it together, okay? It may be hard that way, but trust me, it's even harder if you don't know what you're trying to make, right? So the idea is you don't have a picture. You just have a bunch of pieces, okay? And Peter, with a bunch of pieces, this thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle in front of him on the table, you can picture it in your head if you want to, and it's all over the place. There's no clarity in this. Peter, by faith in God, by faith in Jesus, proclaims you are the Messiah. He doesn't know it reasonably because to him, in his whole life, he's looking at it thinking to himself, the Messiah is going to come as a conquering king, not a suffering servant. Peter didn't arrive at this on his own. It wasn't reason that drove him here. Truth had been revealed by God to Peter, and that is awesome. That is awesome. And the idea that Jesus is the Messiah is the gospel. Now, if I were to ask you, most of us, I think most of us in here, if I were to ask you, what's the gospel? Most people in here, if they, and some people would say nothing because they're like, I'm not really sure. Some people would say that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day to free us from death and that eventually he's coming back and we're going to go to heaven with him. Many people, that's what the gospel is. And that's great. But here's the thing. What's really the gospel is this. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Not just somebody. Not just a random person whom God chose. Jesus Christ died on the cross. Now let me give you a perspective of this. In Colossians 1, it says that Jesus fashioned everything. He created everything. All things were created through him. Hear this for a second. He created every single piece of matter that we see in our world. He created the eyes that you have in your head. 
He created the fingers you have on your hand. He designed you. And he designed for himself a body. Think about that for a second. You and I grew up into who we would become. And we might be able to do certain things to make our body look different, but the truth is is that we're still who we are. We can't do that. But Jesus Christ, who also, by the way, in Colossians 1, it says that Jesus is holding everything together. Now, the king of the universe, the rightful king in heaven, the one who created everything, came to earth as a sloppy baby. You guys who have babies, you know, right? Moms, y'all are shameless. And you know why. Because kids are not clean. They make messes, right? And you got to understand something. The king of the universe, the one who fashioned the universe, comes to earth as a little tiny baby. His mom has to clean up his mess, if you know what I mean. This isn't just some normal person. This is the God of the universe. No sane person arrives at the conclusion that this baby is the king of the universe. Jesus was a junior higher. Let this sink in for a sec, that the king of the universe went through puberty. My guess is Jesus' voice cracked and his friends laughed the same way they do with kids that are going through puberty now. Except the person whose voice was cracking in that moment was almost absolutely in complete control of the entire universe. And when I say almost, I mean totally. People who have power in our world use that power to their advantage. Whatever advantage they think it is. So it's natural that the Jews of this time are looking for a Messiah who comes in power and strength with an army. And yet Jesus comes as normal, human, dependent on his mom, voice cracking, stubbing his toe in the middle of the night, trying to walk outside to the bathroom hole. Trust me when I tell you this. When you picture Jesus now, it's so easy for us to seamlessly transition into king of the universe and forget just what that really means about him and how awesome he is in his humility. The gospel is that Jesus conquered sin and death and created a kingdom, or actually what he did is he took his heavenly kingdom and he brought it to earth. And something greater than an, uh, uh, an overcoming political leader is what he was. So for Peter to say, you are the Christ, the son of the, you're the Messiah. 
Peter's thinking of just a small little earthly kingdom, and Jesus is thinking huge, crazy picture of what's really going on here. That all of the past, that all of the future, and all of the present is focused on him. That's nuts. That is crazy. And I love that it's crazy. I love that it's crazy. And for some of us in this room, please, please, please see how crazy what you believe is. You are out of your mind. But that's why when Jesus says to Peter, blessed are you, which blessed just simply means like, man, like I've gifted happiness to you. Like you are blessed. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. There is no clever way of communicating what I just communicated and making you go, that makes total sense. Absolutely. King of the universe came down to earth as a Jewish baby. Totally. Got it. No, our natural conclusion is, Y'all are nuts. But this is the beauty of it. When our eyes were opened, something that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world made sense to us. You believe what you believe because it does make sense to you. It doesn't make perfect sense, right? It's still a jigsaw puzzle. There's still pieces that are missing. You still got to figure it out. But it makes sense to you enough for you to say, Jesus is it. And that's where I'm banking everything I have. Listen to the Apostle Paul, who is just as nuts as we are, in 1 Corinthians 1. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, the message of the cross is this. The message of the cross is not just that some dude died on the cross and now you're forgiven. It's that Jesus died on the cross and now you're forgiven. And when you see it that way, you recognize how crazy it is. You start to see just how nuts what we believe is in a healthy way. And I'm going to turn the corner right here and try to explain to you why it is a good thing that we feel a little bit crazy, that we feel a little bit different and think a little bit different than other people. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved We don't see humility. We don't see humiliation in Jesus. We see the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God... For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him. They couldn't recognize him. But God was pleased through the foolishness of what was taught to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. We preached Messiah, prophet, priest, and king crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to us Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. 
and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You guys, if it made sense, it wouldn't be worth giving everything to. Because it's just another drop in the bucket of things that make sense to us as humans. It'd just be another thing that makes sense, another piece of practical wisdom. Oh, yeah, God. The reason it doesn't make sense is because it comes from someplace outside of us. And although it doesn't make sense entirely to you as a picture, it makes sense enough that you would trust God. And that is why Peter's confession is what Jesus will build his church on. Check this out. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or death, will not overcome it. Literally, Jesus says to him, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, he's not saying Peter. I'm not, he's, not gonna, he's not building his church on Peter. He's building his church using Peter. He's building his church using Peter and the other apostles to communicate something true. I believe that the rock Jesus is building his church on is the truth. This is the craziest part about what I just told you about Jesus. It's actually true. And what we believe is the most amazing, incredible, outside of ourselves, crazy thing that has ever been true. And that's what the foundation of the church is. That Jesus, Jesus is the one who died on the cross. Jesus brought about his kingdom by conquering not just a nation like Rome, but conquering death. In Ephesians 2.19, we see a clearer picture that, that God has chosen the truth through the apostles to be what he builds his church on. This is in context of God bringing the Gentiles into the household of God. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Jesus' church is built on the truth communicated through his people who believe it. The church grows, matures, and reaches out by communicating the truth about Jesus. Super simple. And I love it because it's simple. But there's something interesting about this responsibility and it's not even like a, you have to do this, go do this, why are, you, why are you not doing this? It's more like a, here's who you are. You now are the keepers of truth. If you believe in Christ, you are the ones on the earth who've been given the truth. You have been blessed with it to bless other people with it. I'm not trying to like, psych you out and make you all fired up to go and tell every one of your coworkers tomorrow the basics of the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Oh, that's awesome. Who's Jesus? 
I'm not trying to tell you that you need to go and just be absolutely nuts. What I am telling you is you are nuts, and because you're nuts, it's who you are. If you believe the truth, when people call you nuts, you might be doing something right. Not all the time, because sometimes you're nuts in a way that's not godly, but that's a whole other sermon. Me too, just so you know. We see the gospel, the truth about who Jesus is and what he did, and it is bigger than anything we could come up with or fathom ourselves. And because we believe it, we want to talk about it. And what's interesting is Jesus recognizes this in his disciples. When they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, to a Jewish person like Peter, you are talking about the thing that they've anticipated, the Messiah, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And to Peter, it's so exciting to go, dude, Jesus is the Messiah. Tell that guy. (laughs) Tell everybody. But listen to what he says. This is Jesus talking to his disciples again. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Wait a second. Peter gets the greatest truth that's ever existed and he gets it because he's, he's Jewish and has been raised to anticipate the Messiah. He gets this truth, and then Jesus is like, don't tell anyone, Peter. Killing me, bro. How could you, you, you get the greatest truth that's ever existed, and it's like, don't tell anyone yet, Peter. I've got a plan that I'm doing. And that's exactly what it was. When Jesus did go to the cross, and he rose again afterwards, that's when he told his disciples, go go tell everyone. And we, we are products of that obedience, spiritually. You and I follow Jesus today, those of us who do, because the disciples were obedient to talk about what they learned about Jesus. That is our spiritual heritage We are the household of faith that is built upon the testimony and the truth given to the disciples who they communicated. And we now are the keepers of that truth. We are the ones who have been chosen to have that truth in the world, the church, the gathered ones. Listen to 1 Peter. This is Peter again, so we're talking about Peter, but this is Peter writing this down in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. He's not talking about someone else if you believe in Jesus. He's talking about you. You are 
a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and you are God's special possession. We are God's special possession. And because of that, we have been given authority by God in this earth, on this earth, to teach and preach about who he is, authority that we never have on our own. The truth doesn't make sense to other people because it comes from us. And the power in it isn't because we said it. Any power God gives to us is because he has entrusted us with the truth. Recognize that you did not bless God only when you were saved, but that God has blessed you with the truth. And you can rejoice in that. And as you rejoice, you can let it happen around other people. That's the idea. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. So what's our rallying cry now in our world, in our time? And I had somebody talk to me this week about this and, and, and I, I, I kind of believe it's true. You can say I'm, I'm crazy, this made me crazy, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the United States we faced a persecution that was different than just, oh man, you guys are lame for what some of you believe and you guys are hurting people and stuff like that. I think we're going to face persecution that's, that's probably deeper than that. My guess is it's possible that some of us, some of our kids, some of our grandkids may be arrested for believing what we believe. And that's okay. The rallying cry of the church then is the same rallying cry of the church now. You and I in this room who believe in Christ, this is it for us. I am not ashamed of the gospel about Jesus because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The idea is this. We have been given a truth that makes us a little bit different than everybody else. That's a good thing. What you believe and how you believe it will represent who God has made you in the earth, which you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And because of that, do not, please do not back down. Do not say that you're sorry for what you believe about Jesus. That is not at all what this is leading us to. The truth is a beautiful thing. It is an amazing thing that we understand that Christ was crucified for our sins. And it is an amazing thing for other people when they get it. You can't make them get it. God reveals that. But you and I can be the type of people who honestly rejoice in that. And some of us, some of us in here are, I didn't say this last service, but I, I was just thinking of it now, like some of us in here, you might be frustrated or despondent with God. You might be mad that he didn't show you more. You might be frustrated with circumstances in your world. Let me bring you back to a reality for a second here. If you believe in Jesus, 
You have been blessed like crazy because what you believe both has power to save you and is not something you could have discovered on your own. You have been blessed like crazy. No matter what happens in your world, in your life, or whatever's going on, rest in the fact that God has given you the truth. You are saved in that. There's power in that. And God will continue to raise you up until forever to be with him. Don't be ashamed of that. Jesus is prophet because he speaks on behalf of God. Jesus is priest because he is the one who mediates between us and God. We see that in the, in the book of Hebrews. And he is king. Why is he king? Because he brought his heavenly kingdom down to earth. We see that in Mark 1. Jesus came into the world saying, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus is the Messiah that the Jews were looking for, but he's not the perfect picture that they thought he would look like. Now, we believe that. Those of us who believe in Christ, we believe that. But what do we do with it from here on out? Well, for some of us, it starts with what I just said. Some of us today need to be humble enough just to thank, you, thank God for revealing truth to us. Just thank him. Spend some time with him. Thank him for that. Be blessed by that. Rejoice in that. Find joy in that. No matter what's going on, you can just say, thanks, God. Thank you, God. For some of us in here, Jesus really is the jigsaw puzzle that we can't figure out. And some of you in here, you don't understand. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm holding on by a thread here, dude. I got my hope in Jesus, but the truth is, is so many other things make sense to me, and I'm trying to figure out how do I keep this faith in Jesus if he's really the power of God. Well, let me explain this to you. <laughs> in James, God says, ask for wisdom, and he's going to give it to you. So ask him. Some of us just ask him for a clearer and truer picture of who he is. Be humble enough to not let what you believe rest on your own reason but on the ability of God to show you. Now, you want to use your own reason because that's a device that God uses for you. But it's not what will bring that information to you. The third thing is to be devoted to the written word of God. And for those of you who were here last week, you know that that's two weeks in a row. So maybe God's trying to tell you something. In your life, learn to breathe in the truth and breathe out the truth. As natural to you as breathing is, so it is, hopefully, that you breathe in the truth about Christ and you breathe out truth about Christ. If you believe in Jesus, take every opportunity you have to communicate who he is to someone else. You may be used by God to awaken them to new life. And uh, with that said, I have had the privilege of seeing people believe in Jesus. And there is no greater joy in the entire world than getting to see someone realize the truth. 
It is mind-blowingly awesome. And when they do, it's like, oh my gosh. It's crazy. So if you're looking for an emotional high, there's no better one. There's no better joy according to 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul says that, that his joy in the gospel is made complete because Christ shows people who he is and he gets to be there when he does. There's great joy in that. But I want to end with an encouragement to you. To those of you who do see Jesus is the one who died on the cross for your sins. The great, mighty king that is our Lord Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins and that he rose again. That Jesus is the center of the gospel, not the events that happened. That we fix our eyes on Jesus For those of you who believe that and you believe that he is king and it hurts your heart to see so many people who don't believe that, who don't recognize him that way and your great hope is that someday Jesus is going to get his due of worship, which is if he's God, doesn't it seem unfair if he's God that some people don't get to worship him? Because for us, it's almost like an injustice Oh, man, he's Jesus. He's the king of the universe. He deserves everyone's praise. In your relationships with one another, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I love this. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the, the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be a day when our hope, when our seeking will become reality. Hold on. Persevere. Be blessed by the fact that God has revealed truth to you. And then go and breathe that out to other people. Be the keepers of the truth that you are. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll sing some more. God, thank you for my brothers and sisters in the Lord, who all of us at one point or another in the last few years I've heard the same message that's been preached for 2,000. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I pray that we would be a bold people, not backing down from opportunity to speak of how great you are. And Lord, I pray that as we sing, we would sing as people who are free from their sin, no longer bound, but we have been loosed from our sin. And that we have the privilege 
of explaining to others with authority that they have been loosed from their sin and they have been, or they are still bound in their sin. And Lord, I pray you'd break chains, that you'd reveal more in our city who will follow you and that we would be faithful, faithful people so that as the day comes when you are realized, that we'd be right there with you, crying, cheering, so glad that finally all of our hopes have been realized. We trust you, Jesus, and we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.